Hello and welcome to Thinking Religion. I'm Thomas Whitley and I'm back and probably not better than ever. But nonetheless, I'm back. <laughs> oh, that's the worst intro ever. This is a horrible intro. Are you okay, Thomas? Do you need do you need to talk? No, if, we did that in the, we got all that out in the pre-show. <laughs> See, and if you give us your your money, if you go to, to Thinking Religion on Patreon or patreon.com slash thinking religion and give us five dollars, you could hear us talk for like what what's that, like an hour about yeah. about ourselves and our life and, and what we're going through. But you don't get to hear that. You know why? Because you don't give us your damn money. So give us your money. <laughs> right. You get to hear that. <laughs> and yeah. I, I we're not I playing anymore, guys. We're not we're not I mean, this is not kickball here. You're you're in the major leagues. We we got thousands of listeners. Give us your money. That that's all. We we need so, a we need a domain like like uh give us your money dot com or something. Yeah. Anyway. Doing okay? Yeah, I um so I actually listened to last week's show. I I saw that on Twitter. I was I was actually astonished. <laughs> a little shocked. Yeah, longtime <laughs> listeners will know I don't ever listen to the show after we record it. Um, Sam does all the hard work, like mixing it down and everything. So he has to listen to the whole show <laughs> after we do every show and take out all of my coughs and all of the pieces where we realize, oh, maybe that shouldn't have gone in. Um, Everything that's in the, we're pretty good in the show, don't, don't, I know. don't, don't break that, the, the fourth wall. It's People not, actually, I mean, they're... actually we've been, we've been live to tape for a long time now, really. Yeah. Um, right. So, but. But yeah, I mean, so I was I was traveling. I wasn't exactly where Sam said I was, but that's not um, that important. But um, yeah, so I was like, okay, I want to listen to the show. Obviously, Mariana is great. Um, you know, she's a good show. It's fun having her on, um, and you know, so much of it, I was like, oh, this is yes, I need to be. I should have been part of this conversation because I can talk about salvation bracelets and and walking the aisle and rededicating your life. Um, yeah, it was it was it was a good show. It was a, I think it was a really great show. Of course, you you fumbled the Belinda Carlisle reference, but that's okay. Yeah, I know. I I, I was going to say warrant, and then I, my mind went blank. But I remembered it as as soon as we hung up, and I was like, God, God, God bless. Like, how can I forget Belinda Carlisle? Anyway, ooh, baby, you know what that's worth? Who said yep. heaven's a place on earth? So yeah, so good show, good show last week. That was. That was fun. I thought it was, um, you know, it's interesting. I, I think it's, it's good sometimes to have those shows where, you know, I really appreciate it. Like, hey, I don't, I don't think I even know what you believe. <laughs> and then, and then the follow up, you know, that I was kind of waiting for was, I don't know if I know what I believe. So, and you know, Mariana talked about that a little bit too. But, um, yeah. So anyway, anyway, fun show. So I'm not saying I'm gonna go away every week by any means, but uh, it was uh, definitely. Um, and the you know a capable replacement, more than capable replacement last week. So yeah, yeah, no, I appreciate Mariana coming on. And I also realize like Mariana listens to our show regularly. She does, which which kind of scares me, right? You know, I talk about lots of stuff, and I'm like, and and when I said like I don't know what you believe, I mean part of that's in jazz, but I mean we talk about this stuff every day, all day. Like today we we <laughs> we we cooked a blue apron for lunch, and we sat down and we had our kale salad and our pork burger or whatever even though i don't eat pork um but <laughs> we had some, some kind of a, a burger substitute thing and um we had we had a theological conversation and, and, and I'm, I'm sitting there thinking like it, it, it's 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 strange that you know my wife and i 
you know, have these, or my partner and I have these conversations, but it's, it's stranger that she listens to this podcast because I, I listen to, she, she does a podcast too right. with Elizabeth, who's great. And, and I sometimes help edit that, not always. And, uh, I, I'm always, um, uh, I don't know. It, it's one of those deals where it's like, don't listen to my podcast. Don't listen to your podcast. So when, when she kind of broke that wall, like, yeah, I listen to every podcast. I was like, oh, snap. That's <laughs> right. Well, so Trinity doesn't listen because she's like, well, I hear you like all the time. I know what you're going to say. Like, I don't need to just hear you and Sam say it again. So, yeah. Yeah. But she doesn't know what I'm. No, yeah, she does. Yeah, pretty much. <laughs> yeah. yeah. So. Um, so anyway, uh, it was, it was a great show last week. I, I, it was a good conversation. It's always nice to get some other perspective on the show. Um, yeah, and you know, fun. I was thinking maybe, maybe we should do what you said and put a call out and, you know, maybe, you know, maybe not one of us broke our leg and so we need somebody to come play lead guitar, but, um, you know, put a call out like, Hey, you know, let us know if you want to be on the show and like what you would bring to it for an episode. Yeah, what do you want to talk uh, about? And, I mean, uh, Mc, you know, that, that's always fun. Yeah. Yeah. McBacon's a perfect example of that. We're still yeah. working to get him on the show. I mean, it, it's going to happen, but honestly now, it, you know, we just kind of have to draw it out a little bit. It, it He's like, he's like the, the, the person that you keep saying that you're going to ask to the prom, but you never really do. And I feel terrible at this point. Um, we got and we got a few other things uh, you know in in the works that we're we're trying to get the schedule worked out for too but um yeah so no let us know if you're listening and you say you know i've always wanted to have this conversation with them um let us know we might bring you on the show to do it It could be could be a lot of fun yeah um so (laughs) that was my that was my enthusiastic yeah (laughs) yeah sure maybe <laughs> it might not yeah. be horrible sam sam loves setting those up <laughs> sam, has, <laughs> sam has a deal with the hey do you have skype no do, do you uh do you have the internet because yeah never mind it's fun <laughs> the internet. i'm not i'm not complaining yeah so first you need to download audacity and then download line in <laughs> and then like here's a 15 page manual for you to go through to set it up to <laughs> Yeah, that that's my my day job where I, I set up these things for people, and it, it, like I I don't think people realize that like that's my day job where I I write these guides for like tech stuff, and uh, it's it's fun, it's it's really lots of Ralph Wiggum fun, fun. Yeah. yeah, yeah. Um, so I'm surprised you actually haven't asked about it yet. How how is it? I know that's what I was waiting for. It's, I figured it's, it's that would smaller. Be the f- it's thing. smaller than what you've had before, right? Like, I mean, it it's not as big as you thought it would be. Right. Uh, it's funny how that works out. Um, <laughs> I mean, it, it fits in your hand pretty well there, right? Yeah, pretty well. You can just about, you know, touch every corner with your thumb. Yeah. Which was, you know, Steve Jobs' like idea, right? So we're well, talking, you know, of course, it's... about the uh, the iPhone 10, which basically everybody's <laughs> just calling yeah, iPhone you X. Cut off my, my Jobs joke. Anyway, go ahead. I'll let you talk. <laughs> Good job. <laughs> yeah, I, w- I walked all over your your job joke. Uh, um, yeah. So it's I. So I had the six plus and got the ten. I um, ordered it the you know three a.m. in the morning when it went on sale for pre order, and it got delivered. Of course, I was actually out of town. That's why I was on the show last week. So that was you know a little bit of nerve, a little nerve wracking, but. I uh, got it 
um, Saturday, got it set up. And I tell you, it is honestly with all the negative coverage that I was reading in the lead up to it, I was kind of thinking, am I going to be disappointed with this? Am I going to wish I'd just, you know, saved a little bit of money going with the eight or something like that? But I mean, having it in my hand for, you know, a half a week now and using it, um, I'm not, it's not a decision I regret at all. The screen, I mean, this is one of the craziest things. And, and I know you played with one in, in the store. Um, the screen, it's almost comical how good the screen is, right? I mean, it's... It, it's uh, So I, I love OLED. I've, I've had Samsung devices in the last two years. Um, you know, I'm, I'm an Android person, but, you know, that, I also have... Apple devices here right in front of me. I'm looking at an iPad and an iPhone. Um, OLED is, is a fan or OLED. OLED mm-hmm. depends on how you want to say it. It's it's a fantastic technology, and I can go into some of the, the cool stuff about it, but basically it takes what we did with the incandescent bulb back in the 1840s when people were, were shooting heat through you know filament and then tungsten filament and then putting it into a, a glass bulb vacuum, and, th- and then we got um, you know, the idea of saying like, well, let, let's take this bowl thing and, and put it into a different kind of uh, situation where you, you have uh, electrons like bouncing off of, of um, halogen gases. And, and, you know, so now we're, we're at LEDs, which is light emitting diodes, which is really cool technology because basically you're, you're exciting little electrons and it's still really hard to do. And Apple rightly went with Samsung and spent a lot of money with Samsung to make these incredible OLED displays. Um, and, and they're top of the class. I mean, you, you look at it, and I'm looking at my, my Google Pixel 2 XL here, which is also an OLED display, which is fantastic. Um, but it's made by LG, and Google pumped about $2 billion into LG to make these displays because they knew Apple was working with Samsung on these displays. And, you, you, I mean... If you if you want to compare it, there is no comparison. So I, I get excited about this because I, I love <laughs> I love science and technology, right? And and I love this idea of of these panels like really really just knocking the socks off of everything. Um, it's like I, I just bought a new laptop today that that has an incredible display, much better than something like a MacBook Pro. Um, and it it's like you know wow like it, the 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 science behind each little electron and each little pixel is, is really fascinating to me anyway so yes um you're yeah, right <laughs> i mean yeah the, the screen right that i mean that's that's one of the biggest differences now i know i came from the six plus and i know the seven was you know a lot better screen than the six plus but it, it's just kind of it's kind of shocking honestly the camera is obviously crazy good you know you've seen that you've seen their commercials probably portrait mode it is very good if you follow me on um, Instagram, I you know threw up just a quick shot. I took a, one of my dogs uh, in the backyard the other day, and just you know crazy. He's just sitting there, and yeah, um, that was a great picture. We'll right, great picture. Um, but can we you know, can so, we put that in the show notes? Um, I'll, I'll have to you know check with them, see if we can get you know some uh, get the copyright um, transferred. But we can okay. we can probably work that out. I'll talk to his agent. Just want to make sure um, the face ID. Uh, you know it unlocks uh with the facial recognition uh is wonderful it's very quick it works well it 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 does take you know a little getting used to sometimes you feel like you have to stare at a little longer than probably you actually do uh and of course you have to look at the notch because that's where all the 
um, technology is to do the face ID and to give you the the camera in on the front the front facing camera that will actually do portrait mode as well. Um, got the double cameras on the back, but I tell you, I got the space gray, and the back of it is gray. I mean, the whole thing's glass. The back is kind of gray. The front though is there's basically zero bezel. I mean, it's 99% screen. Right, which is obviously one of the big selling points. If you look at, if you have an iPhone now, you have a you know a huge kind of. If you have like a white one, for instance, like I I have one sitting on the desk here, this huge white, you know, uh, banner, you know, border around it, this huge bezel basically. Um, but I tell you, you know, we've talked a lot about the notch here on the show, but because it's the space gray, you, when it's just there and the screen's not lit up, you almost can't see the notch at all. Which is interesting. Uh, and then, you know, I've not minded the notch that much. What I've minded is apps that have gone with the letterboxing. Oh, you yeah. Know, big black right. boxes, you know, on the top and the bottom. And that's a little bit annoying. It's like, this is, you know, a great phone. Why would, you know, why would you do that? That's just kind of, I don't know. I'm, there, there's no way their designers <laughs> were happy about that. Um, so, so that's really good. Um, I don't know. It, it, and it's, you know, I've said this on the show before. I know we've talked about this when we talked about iOS 11. And I said, you know, I think iOS 11 was created without a home screen or without a home button in mind. And it's just been kind of retrofitted for the phones that have home buttons. And I believe that more now using the 10. Um, everything seemed, I mean, just after a half day, it was natural just swiping up to, you know, open it to go home instead of, you know, hitting a home button. Um, so it so I, I think it's pretty natural and iOS 11 works really well the here and the multitasking like you and I've talked about you just swipe along the bottom of the screen to go between apps um, is seamless and very fast so I've been I've been happy with it and then the other great thing is I had the 6 plus and the screen on this 10 is actually bigger than the screen on the 6 plus but the body of the phone is actually, uh, basically the size of the six or what would be the eight now, right? So the screen is bigger than the screen on the eight plus, but the body is um, almost exactly the size of the eight. I, I mean, isn't that crazy? I mean, just, just to yeah. <laughs> look right, at but, it. So it's, it's, it's great because, you know, a lot of people, you know, we were going, you know, a lot of people joked about me having a phablet, right? With the six plus, you know, this phone tablet, cause it's so big like you're holding an iPad up beside your head. And the reality is, it's not that much smaller than my iPad mini. Um, but then a lot of people have wanted to go away from that. They didn't want the big phones anymore. They really, you know, I know people are sticking with their 4S because that's the size phone they want. They don't want anything bigger. Yeah. And you know, this is kind of a great step where, well, sure, you can go for the smaller phone, but you can also, you know, you can go with the 8 that's smaller, but you can also go with the 10 and the phone's smaller, but you still get as much screen real estate, which is really what you want, right? You want more screen real estate. Um, yeah, and, and that's that's been one of the the really cool developments over the last, I mean, mostly year, um, is, is that devices have shrunk, but screens have gotten larger. Right. So when you look at the Samsung S8 or you know the iPhone 10 or even the Google Pixel 2, the the footprint of the device is much smaller than you would think, given that the screen size is actually larger. Right. And the iPhone, the Pixel, the Samsung, you know, Galaxies, all those previous devices were guilty of having these huge bezels, as we call them. Um, I just bought a laptop today 
that has really small bezels, but everyone complains about the bezels on this laptop. And I'm like, what What the hell? Because yeah. it, it's, it's a convertible laptop. It's the Google um, Pixelbook. Right. And I, I can't believe I paid <laughs> so much money for a Chromebook. <laughs> but I love it, and I'm playing with it right now as I'm talking to you. Um, and, and it's got... It, it, the bezels look like a Chromebook. I mean, like a MacBook from 2013. Like, it, it's mm-hmm. not huge. But when you look at a, you know, quote, modern laptop, like, this, the screen goes all the way to the edge. But this thing is a convertible, so Google is saying, like, no, no, we, we want people to be able to hold this thing. And, and that's why that's why you have bezels. Right. Which makes um, sense. Yeah. And, I will and say. It, and those are the same argument for the phones, which I get. But, yeah. Yeah. Um, the one thing I don't like, and I haven't liked this since the 6 Plus, um, is, I mean, the camera is amazing. I don't like that the camera sticks out from the body. And I haven't liked that on any phone design that's been that way. Your the Pixel XL is like that, right? No, Pixel 2. no, 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 no. Oh, yours is flush. It's not flush. It's like two to three millimeters. I and so when I, I I'll send you a picture. When I held the iPhone 10 this week and and tonight when I went to go pick up this uh, Pixel Book at Best Buy, me and Ben, uh, me and my son, um, we <laughs> went and we were playing with the iPhone 10 again, and I was just amazed. And I should have taken a picture, or I should have taken a picture of, of comparing these two. I was amazed by how, like, projected that that camera bump is right. on the it, iPhone it 10. Is, it is a lot. I mean, it's an so you know if you have your phone laying down on a desk or something and you want to type on it, it's gonna. Can you hear that? Yeah, it's it's rocking, and, and it's rocking so the Pixel doesn't do that. Type like, on it's, it. It's pretty much flat. Yeah. So I, I don't like. That. I mean. It, Yes, it's so to keep the phone thin, but to still have this amazing camera, you just have to have this little jut out or whatever. Uh, I I personally would rather them have made. I mean, how much does this one stick out? Maybe five, six millimeters. I'm not sure. I don't have a. I might. It's I it's pretty do. noticeable. I mean, you you feel it. I've got I've got a ruler right here that I can use. <laughs> um, let's see. All right, let let's whip them out, boys. Here we go. Oh wow, Virginia, do you see that? So it's a uh, two thirty seconds. What is that in millimeters? But what are you, are you measuring in the imperial? I'm measuring. So I, this it's um it's a ruler that I have, and it's uh, was one. It was one that my grandfather used. He was an engineer for Square D actually for oh. a long time. Oh. And so it has on one side it has tenths and hundredths, and on the other side it has thirty seconds and sixty fourths. Wow. So, of course, I've got my. Um, let's see if the so I, I keep that one on my desk. I also carry a ruler um, in my mod, right? My mod <laughs> tablet. And let's see, this one has here we go. This one has centimeters, so I can I can figure out millimeters on that. Yeah, tell, um, tell your grandfather thanks for his. I'm just kidding. <laughs> let's see. Oh man, I. I Made the mistake of Googling and clicking on a Mashable link. Don't ever click on Mashable links. All right, let's see. Um, yeah, so there are... Well... Okay, there's what? There's... 
There's 10 millimeters per centimeter. Mm -hmm. Yes. Um, yeah, this is, I mean, this is really only like... The bump itself two to three. is the largest on any iPhone and is 24.19 millimeters long and 11.7 millimeters wide by 1.22 millimeters thick. It's also also the first time Apple switched from aligning the dual cameras horizontally to vertically. Right. So, I mean, that that's a pretty big bump. You said 24 millimeters? 24.19 millimeters long, 11.7 oh, millimeters wide. Oh, what's the depth then? It, it, is, it doesn't it's only, say. Why it's only like... I mean, if I'm looking at it correctly, it's only like three or four millimeters. God, I clicked on the freaking Mashable link again. I'm sorry if you all hear that video. All right. Um, iPhone. 1.22 millimeters thick yeah. is what I see. Yep, I got that too. So. Which is atrocious, a millimeter. How, how dare them? <laughs> I'm just kidding. Uh, the iPhone 7 Plus was 1.33 millimeters thick. That's even more. But what is it on the Pixel? I'm trying to find that. You can't find that because there's there's no bump. The uh, the 6S was... Um, doesn't say. This is awesome right here. People love this stuff. Google... Pixel XL2 camera bump thickness. Oh, okay, here so we go. Uh, um, you find it? so that would be point four tenths of a mill point four millimeters. See, see, because it's like seven point like eight millimeters thick, yeah. and, but eight point two with a camera bump. So it's yeah, it's a third. I mean, yeah, that that that's significant. So yeah, the, I mean, so the it's camera not about bump the on the iPhone it's, it's 10 the is three times as uh, thick as the camera bump on the Pixel 2. So, I mean, that's significant. Um, yeah, I mean, it's it's pretty smooth. So, when I, I had the cloth, I, I, I tweeted about this earlier today. Yeah. And I love this case. You can hear it. Um, and it, it's a really neat, like, weird fabric case um, that, that you wouldn't think would be enjoyable. And I've always gone pretty bare with my with my phones um and I, I went for like a week with it and i was like well I'm, I'm gonna try the fabric case so i went and bought one of these 40 dollars cases and uh yeah i mean the bump's not bad and it's got a so, green a mint green button on it on the case so i like that so well, anyway so. I, know, I know that's great radio and y'all don't want us to stop doing that but um that's that's my only yeah. complaint with the phone it's not a not a big complaint um but you know th that's just a little annoyance that you know could you not have made the phone two millimeters thicker and or a millimeter and a half thicker even? I mean, who would have noticed that? Well, and yeah, and then you could put a yeah. bigger battery in it, right? No, You'd but have more space that's, for a battery. That's not Apple's mojo, though. I mean, that's not what they do. I know. And and they're never going to do that again. Uh, they're calling Virginia for Northam. Did you? I was yeah, going to say. Just saying yeah, that. <laughs> you were saying Virginia, Virginia. So <laughs> we're not. We're not. My mother's a fish. Yeah. Fifty-one percent, forty-eight percent Northam. Wow. 
we're not gonna we're, uh, we don't need to you know spend a long time on that but uh this is really big um really big and and um virginia so ralph ralph northam um is a, a democrat and who will win who's is now being called to win the governor um the gubernatorial race in virginia over the republican ed gillespie um this is um this is really big in virginia right i mean it, if you're looking <laughs> and japan and south carolina and florida <laughs> right and Tennessee. but i mean yeah! so he's yeah he's um <laughs> he ed gillespie um per- performed at about the same rate as trump but the turnout was apparently down looks like there was a quote-unquote enthusiasm gap um in democrats favor so i mean it's interesting of course nate Cohn is tweeting this is what a wave looks like i'm not sure about that mm-hmm. this is the this is the first you know democrats haven't won any of the special elections this year uh that they were hoping to win yet so this is good for democrats um, and kind of shocking for Virginia, and, and it may be a bellwether, uh, but it's honestly too early to tell about that. Well, I mean, Trump did put out a series of, of tweets, you know, yesterday and today about how, um, you know, how, how people should get behind Gillespie, and Northam is, is weak on veterans and whatever that means, and weak on, you know, crime. Right? So... Yeah, for sure. I mean, so so then the question is, and Virginia's I mean, always there... been so. Okay, in two thousand eight, I remember I was working. I, I was living in North Carolina. I, I was a precinct chair there, and Virginia and North Carolina both went blue for the first time in a long time, and we were so excited, and we had lots of contacts working back and forth in the Virginia and North Carolina offices um, at the state level. And there's a lot of money and, and, you know, sort of people saying like, oh, you know, here's what's working in rural, you know, rural Virginia. Here's what's working in in urban Virginia. Here's what you can take to, um, you know, urban North Carolina and what you can take to rural North Carolina. And to, to see something like this happened because it i mean it gillespie's a, a pretty well-known name i mean he's not a nobody um so to see this happen i, I think that's a good thing because if ed gillespie had won it would have completely squashed a lot of momentum that kind of i'm not going to say southern democrats but it, it would have squashed a lot of the momentum that state parties are, are trying to make um as they figure out what to do in 2018 um, on on the anti-Trump side. So not, not that not that we're both in favor of. I, I'm trying to say this all without being, you know, partisan, but it's hard. So if you so um, if you look at it, you've got, I mean, dim pickups and house seats in a number of places in Virginia. So Elizabeth Guzman. Um, unseats um, Scott Lingamfelter in House District 31 David Reed unseats uh, Tag Greeson in Fairfax County in um, House District 32 Kathy Tran uh, defeats um, Lolita Manchano Smoke in Fairfax County in District 42 Lee Carter uh, unseats Jackson Miller in uh, District 50 
um, Hala Ayala, uh, sorry, um, my Southern is coming out. Unseats Rich Anderson in Prince William County in District 51. Carrie Delaney unseats the Republican Jim uh, Lemunyan in Fairfax County in District 67. Uh, I mean, this is, there's more. There's two or three more um, Democratic pickups in House uh, districts. Now, some of these may be, um, uh, you know, some of these are maybe local House districts, I think. But, um, yeah, this is for the House of Delegates uh, in in uh, Virginia. So they're up 11 seats right now. And to take control in the House of Delegates in Virginia, they need 17. So, so I mean, in Virginia tonight, it does look like, um, you know, maybe, maybe Nate Cohn is right. Maybe this is a wave. I mean, this is definitely what it looks like in Virginia. The question is, will it spread? Well, and, and also, I mean, New Jersey is coming in now. It looks like uh, Phil Murphy is the Democrat is, is going to win that seat, which was much more expected. And it was sort of much more secure than than the uh, Northam at Gillespie race. But still, it's a good sign because that was a former, I mean, a good sign for Democrats. That was a, a former uh, Democrat held uh, seat. I mean, I'm sorry, former Republican held seat. I can't talk to him. Um, yeah, and looking at North Carolina, I'm kind of, is this for mayor and the mayor? Yeah, South Charlotte area. Looks like the Dem is winning there. Uh, Lyles over Kenny Smith. So, I mean, yeah, a lot of elections tonight. Um, this is really you know, interesting. We're going to see this when we, um, you know, we'll get more over the next couple of uh, days seeing all of this come in. But so, the, you know, the question is, <coughs> excuse me. I mean, this isn't live. So people are going to be like, I don't care about any of this, right? Because <laughs> we're doing, you know, kind of, um, or you know, like we like to do our, our, our evergreen our, our returns, <laughs> you know. But we love doing return shows, <laughs> so we're just kind of naturally falling back into that. Um, and the question is, what is this going to mean um, for uh, the twenty eighteen midterms? I, I think that's the main question. When you look at historical data, it looks like the Democrats are um, completely set up to uh, win back the House and potentially the Senate. If you look at um, where they fall on kind of generic Dem versus generic Republican on questions. If you look at the number of Republicans that are retiring right now, uh, because they you know, they know that they can't stand up to Trump and still win uh, primary, so they're retiring, which puts some seats, um, a, you know, maybe more in the toss-up category than would have been um, if they just don't shoot themselves in the foot, which obviously Democrats are pretty prone to do. Well, it, to me, it's interesting to see, like I'm, I'm watching on Twitter now, like the, on TweetTech, the districts that are coming in that were, over, not overwhelmingly, but, but went for Trump in 2016, and, and now they look like they're going overwhelmingly for Democrats in Virginia and, and New Jersey, which is really interesting. And even Utah, with with some of the exit polls that are coming out of there, with their... Um, I think their governor race. So I don't know. I mean, that's that's pretty interesting. I, I mean, it, it's too early to say like what's going to happen in in twenty eighteen with, you know, the the, the House and the Senate, but it could be um, quite the setup if if people are are still this 
frustrated and then the turnout on the right is is low right i mean it's the same thing that happened with, with obama in 2008 and 2010 right so and that's the thing is it's it's actually pretty common for uh, incumbents to you know, lose a lot of seats in um, a midterm year right the, the non-presidential party typically gains up quite a bit you know gains quite a bit of seats in in midterm years so that that's common but we also know that democrats are generally just really bad at actually voting in midterms democrats are i mean particularly during the obama years they cared about the top of the ticket and basically nothing else and i mean you see where that got democrats so well, which and, is and, you know I, and where that got him was losing what 30 governor's mansions losing a <laughs> thousand um you know house you know state house and senate uh races i mean losing city councils and com- county commissions and losing everything because they just didn't pay attention to anything that's where it got dims it got dims you know basically in the bottom of the barrel so it's kind of hard to go down from there um but nonetheless you know you've still got to you got to do something. And and I guess the question is whether they can actually do that. There are a lot more people running now, a lot more people, um, have, you know, non-traditional people have thrown their hats in the rings and some of them are uh, running well. Some of them are, are losing or, or not being able to fundraise and they're bowing out. But, you know, part of it is um, you just can't let races go uncontested, which yeah. Dems did for a really long time. Well, especially you put in Southern somebody states. in there, right? Yeah, okay. and we talk about Georgia, and I mean, even South Carolina. I mean, South Carolina is not a necessarily red state, and people forget that because of our history and our legacy. And we are not, you know, just all white rednecks in terms of, you know, not saying that people that vote Republican are, are you know, that, but you know that that's always been the stereotype. Like, oh, why pour money into Alabama and South Carolina? It's like, well, actually. There's stuff to be won there, or I mean, even Florida, and we saw Hillary Clinton made that mistake in, in last year in, in 2016 by not putting money into Florida that she should have put into Florida because she assumed that she was going to win based on you know whatever metrics were coming out of Miami, and it's like that's not necessarily the the best way to go. But looking at this tonight, um, Northam won over 40 percent of white voters in Virginia. And that's the first time anyone's done that in decades as a Democrat. I mean, Obama didn't do that even when he won the state in, in 2008. So that's huge. I'm, I'm going to be interest, interested to see what, what comes back with the evangelical voters. But Right. Yeah, that'll be interesting. You know, the other... Um thing that we're seeing tonight is one of the one of the people who's won um in one of the virginia house of delegates uh, races is uh, danica rome and and this is you know this is great um also you know kind of um you know maybe ironic and a little bit of um you know uh, justice potentially uh she becomes the first openly transgender person elected to a state legislature and the person that she defeated was you know super anti-lgbtq and also wrote um you know the bathroom bill is i isn't that right um wrote the bathroom bill in virginia yeah they they had a hand in it right right so um so you know that that's uh, interesting. So big night. We weren't actually expecting to talk about returns tonight, but um, I, I do think that <laughs> that's huge. I mean, a, a transgender person, you know, openly uh, is now 
a state legislator, uh, you know, elected in, in the U.S. I mean, that's that's in in Virginia. I mean, that's 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 massive. And yeah. you know, as much as you and I and and everyone else lament the the Trump era, like if there's anything that comes out of this, if, if things work out for the positive and we don't end up in a, a nuclear war with Trump because he, you know, can't get over the fact that he he just should not be in North Korea or whatever he was trying to do tonight, like visiting. The, right, go to the DMZ. Oh God. Um, yeah, it, it was a weather thing, right? Right. I'm, I'm sure the the uh, the army was like, ah, yeah, yeah, we, we, it's an army. Uh, we we can't we can't fly in in the in the rain. Please please get off the off the helicopter. Anyway, I mean, what a great sign for a country, you know. And we 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 hold up people like Nikki Haley, who was a governor in South Carolina for one and a half terms. And she was not the most popular person here because we had to experience her leadership. And we hold her up as some kind of like moderate centrist, like, oh, she's, you know, she, she's the future of America. She's, you know, the, the, the child of Sikh parents. And she, you know, is an Indian American. She's a first, um, first generation American. Uh, but she's kind of, she's kind of terrible. Um, and and she says a lot of stupid things. Not saying she's stupid, but she she doesn't always uh, hold up the the mantle to which she's been uh, been called to. I know I will say. So to to see people that really care about things like you know identity politics and 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 that kind of thing, like getting to that that level is, is really really great. And people that aren't aren't using that just to, um, you know, j- j- just to m- make a point, if you will. Yeah. It, it, you know, it's kind of the opposite of. <laughs> do you see what I'm saying? It's kind of the opposite of what Democrats have always been accused of. Like, oh, well, she got elected because she was black. Right. And it's like, uh, no, actually, that's not the case. And Nikki Haley is not the the centrist, wonderful person that you all think she is. Um. Yes, she's a female and she's overcome a lot of stuff, but not she she came from a pretty privileged background and there's all sorts of things and I, I won't go into that. But um yeah. It it, it it's wonderful to to see, I don't know, to see that there's not kind of a a, a monopoly on on that position, I'll say. Yeah. So anyway, I, I I didn't want to hop into the tar pit, prayer rabbit, but yeah. You know. Right. Yeah. No. I I I completely understand. So. Yeah. Um. So okay. Anyway, so that kind of <laughs> derailed our show for a little bit. Sorry about that. But that's huge, Virginia. Wow, Virginia. I know we're talking about Virginia House delegates returns. Like, how can you not get excited about that? Um. Have Have you ever been to the Virginia State House? Mm, no, I don't think so. That's oh, beautiful. In Richmond, oh man, yeah. Thomas Jefferson helped uh, design it and stuff. It's it's beautiful. So I mean, I, I I you know you mentioned be interested to see kind of where when we get the exit polls and and some of that data where um, evangelicals have fallen in some of these uh, Virginia races and and some other places. But and that's what I'm that's what I'm looking 
uh, at for, you know, as we approach the midterms in a year from now is, you know, typically Republicans have stronger turnout and evangelicals have strong turnout in midterms. And so I'm curious to see if we see some of the evangelical support of Trump um, fading and, you know, some of those people going and voting for Dems, or if, if we just see maybe maybe it's the kind of rate of support is the same, but the turnout is depressed. Uh, and, and that will be interesting. Obviously, I would prefer to see the evangelical support of Trump completely go away, <laughs> I think. You know. Well, I mean— uh, But we're not going to see that happen. Yeah, so, I mean, do, do you think— In, in terms of like the religious landscape, do you think something like tonight could be a tipping point for people to say, well, maybe Trump is not the bandwagon that we need to get behind as evangelicals, and maybe we need to you know look at other venues? Not not that Ed, Ed Gillespie or or anybody's a you know representative, but I know I have a lot of friends who are very conservative. You can look <laughs> look at my Facebook feed. Um, but but you know people that are uh, of that you know sort of i guess trumping ilk who say well he's not the leader we deserve but he's the leader we need or vice versa and um oh my god donna brazil's on msnbc right now we don't have time to talk about that tonight <laughs> I, was like, I was like ah what are you doing on msnbc <laughs> that's not fair you're going to make that Okay, um, uh, we're not going to talk about that the night. Okay. You're being Sam. You're being Sam. <laughs> I know. So, I mean, do, do you think it's a turning point? I don't know. I don't think tonight is a turning point. I think um, there may be a multitude of turning points between now and next November. But, I mean, the reality is, I honestly think, yeah, I know plenty of evangelicals that are that are completely anti-Trump. But when you look at the data, all the data says the vast majority of of evangelicals support Trump. And so for me, I think that on the one hand, yes, uh, generally in American politics, people are bandwagon riders, right? They People want to back a winner. And so I think a lot more people uh, said that they voted for Obama than actually voted. We know this, right? Than actually voted for Obama because they want to, you know, they probably have convinced themselves that they actually voted for Obama. Um, <coughs> people that didn't vote will say, yeah, yeah I voted for Obama. Um, you know, because they want to be a part of something and feel like they, you know, did the right thing or like they were on that train from the beginning um, when they weren't. Um, so I think there, there will be an element of that, I think, when people see, you know, more and more people that... Um, come out and support Trump and that Trump comes out and supports like he did with Ed Gillespie losing, I do think we're going to see some people come off the bandwagon. What I think is the real problem and the reason that I'm not convinced that we're going to see like significant gains, I think we'll see um, more, I think we're more likely to see a depressed turnout than, (coughs) excuse me, than we are to see even a lot of evangelicals kind of jumping ship and voting for, um, you know, anti-Trump candidates is because I think a lot of them just, they believe the Trump message. I think it, 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 it fits well in a lot of evangelical circles. There's a lot about what Trump preaches that 
that fits in you know some fundamentalist evangelical circles and this is i mean you know ties in well with a, a lot of what mariana was talking about on the show last week yeah and and i i just don't think there's any way around that and and i honestly think that um american evangelicalism is they're kind of writing their last chapters now you know, yeah so they're, that's I mean, they're not going to disappear obviously but but i do think that i i I mean, they're they continuously over and over again continue to shoot themselves in the foot, and they continue to take positions that they now think are acceptable. That I think they have held for a long time, but they think it's acceptable to make them public because Trump has been elected president, and they think that they, I mean, this is a last gasp, right? That's what I think it is. Um, so the the sad reality is I don't think we're going to see a lot of evangelicals say, you know what, I. I thought that, you know, Trump was going to do a better job and I tried to hold my nose, you know, I held my nose and voted for him, even though I disliked a lot of things, but I just can't do it anymore because I think, I, I think that they, even if they don't like certain things, they like a lot of things that Trump is saying, right? I mean, they, a lot of evangelicals are anti-immigrant. A lot of evangelicals, um, you know, share a lot of views with Trump. So, He's a little, you know, maybe rough around the edges, they may say, or maybe use a little bit of foul language, and maybe he's more like a Cyrus than he is, you know, like a King David or something, <laughs> right? We heard that a lot. Right. Um, I, I think that I we we are pretty good as human beings um, at going to any length necessary to justify uh, our our decisions, and and I think that that's largely what's happening is people you. Know, They'll say like, oh, well, I don't really like him, but, you know, I support his policies or I was anti-Hillary because she's the Antichrist or something like that. Um, when in reality, it's I don't have a problem with him at all, um, but I know that that's still kind of socially unacceptable to say. So I'm going to say, well, I don't like him. But, you know, if you look at his financial policy, which, of course, is non-existent, but, you know, it makes you sound like you pay attention to politics or something. Yeah. And I, I just saw that the number one. Uh, issue tonight for Virginia voters was health care and 50, 55% of people who said that that was the, the number one issue voted for Northam and 17% voted for Gillespie which is right. massive yeah, yeah. as someone who, who cares a lot about that issue right. I mean, and as you know huge. right when the Trump administration is doing everything they can to try to sabotage the Affordable Care Act and you know um, what we, we had the, the, the record number record of signups number. yeah and uh, to be fair some of my clients are state navigators, <laughs> so right. I have to put that out there. I don't want to uh, right. muddy the waters. Full, but full disclosure, yeah. full disclosure. Um, but yeah, and and to me, like that's a major, major issue. Um, that that people in Virginia, North Carolina, South Carolina, Alabama, Georgia, Florida really need to be Mississippi really, right. <laughs> really need to be uh, concerned about. And, and, and this is why, and you understand it. This is why, you know, people. You know, a lot of, um, you know, kind of small government minded people that I really don't think there are actually that many people that truly believe that they fight so hard against uh, what they call, you know, quote unquote establishment programs um, because they know that uh, once they're there, you can't take them back. Like you've given people health health care now. You can't take it back. I mean, you can fight and not give it to them. But once you give it to them, you can't take it back. And I, and I, you know, a lot of Republicans realize that, and that's why they fought it so hard at the beginning. Um, I'm a genie in a bottle. You got to rub me the right way. That's right. Donald Trump just tweeted. 
Ready? Yeah. Ed Gillespie worked hard, but did not embrace me or what I stand for. <laughs> Don't forget, he, he got 120, or, yeah. 280 get, characters. Get 280. Everybody got 280 characters. Did everybody get it now? That's what I saw. I saw that everybody oh. got 280. I, I noticed so I had cool. it, I got it earlier today. Well, no, you got it before everybody yeah, it before did. Out, but I think yeah. everybody got it today. It, it wasn't announced when I got it. All right, so he says, Ed Gillespie worked hard, but did not embrace me. Mm. Or what I stand for. <laughs> well, and, I mean, well, oh, and on, the Gillespie, it's, it's okay, not over yet. Okay. It's not over yet. I, I just, he did not embrace me or what I stand for. Uh, period. Don't forget, comma, Republicans won four of four House seats, comma, and with the economy doing record numbers, we will continue to win, comma, even bigger than before, exclamation point. He did not embrace me or what I stand for. Holy shit. Yeah. Well, I mean, yeah, it's Thoughts that's kind of amazing Brian. to say about the campaign that Ed Gillespie ran, if you followed that at all. Um, but also... <laughs> You know, so the Gillespie camp is also blaming Trump too, so which is what we expect, right? Um, yeah, that, and that's what happens, right? It, um, winning covers a multitude of sins, and uh, and um, and and you should send send more so that grace should abound. We we should just stay stay on the air. We should make make this like a five hour show because I want to see what happens. <laughs> just keep watching all the returns. Yeah, when Utah closes, like. <laughs> Right, exactly. Why didn't we do this before? Like we should have done this last year during the during the returns. I know we've talked about that. You know, there's probably not an appetite for it because we're not very good at this. But honestly, that's okay. Well, um, we have thousands of people listening. I, don't I know, know, I know. But but we've talked about doing return shows money. before for you know like presidential elections and things like that. Um, and we do a lot of live tweeting uh, of those, but we haven't done uh, live return shows. Um, and so, you know, if you, if that's something you're interested in, let us know, and we may um, we may try to get that set up for midterm elections because I, I think that that's that's what people are gonna. You know, a lot of people will be following that. You know, sure. you know, you know, it's crazy. Speaking of that, I I put up a, a picture of our church sign, and it had like yes. 1,200 likes and 97,000 so far impressions, and. It, it, it was nothing and i'm like why 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 do we work so hard <laughs> to, to create viral content on this on this podcast when that's all it takes is like a cute girl putting you know some letters on a church sign right to get to get all that that twitter action that hotline bling anyway <laughs> we just need to put your children in more of our, <laughs> our show I mean, they're promo. cute <laughs> yeah we're done in Brazil. I'm, I'm watching her talk and on mute. Man, I, I can't believe. I'm 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 glad. I mean, this is this makes me feel like we're we're not rapidly heading towards handmade still, but still. <sighs> what a night. Yeah. Um. We talked about nothing, didn't we? We talked about nothing on the show. I got a pixel so, book. It's pretty. So awesome. when we. You know, we it, it's cliche now for our show, but when we say like we're really just hitting record on the conversations we're already having, um, this may be one of the truest iterations of that this show uh, this yeah. week. Anyway, um, we we were planning to talk about Sutherland Springs um, and yeah. the the horrible um, shooting there at the First Baptist Church in Sutherland Springs. Um, Twenty six people 
were killed. We don't have a lot of time left to talk about that, and I I do apologize for that. And maybe we'll be able to in the next couple of weeks um, talk about that a little bit more. The reality is we're honestly probably going to have another um, sh- mass shooting in the next couple of weeks that we can talk about. Um, there's been a lot of really bad theology that's coming out of this. I know that you and I have been talking about it. We've been sharing a little bit of it. Um, I'm not going to say that's one of the most disconcerting things to me, but it's it's really disconcerting to me. I mean, um, can, can you do it in two minutes? Or do you want to save it? Well, I mean, I, I think that, right, I you, mean, get a, you have a you lot know. of pastors. I mean, you know, obviously the first thing is you have a lot of pastors now saying, well, yeah, we need more people uh, carrying guns in churches. Uh, that's obviously the wrong answer, I think. Uh, you have pastors saying this isn't an issue. Uh, this isn't a guns issue. This is a, um, you know, condition of the heart issue. You know, if this was a gun issue, you'd have way more, you'd have, you know, this way more. And, like, it's amazing that you can have a pastor say that in the only country on earth where this happens. With this regularity and, you know, with this amount of uh, death and mayhem and carnage. Right? And and so I, I, I think that the idea, um, I don't know, you know, there's a lot of people's, you obviously had that Fox News host saying, that, well, you know, basically if you're going to get shot somewhere, it's better to get shot in church because you're closer to Jesus. Like, what the hell is that? Oh, God, that was terrible. Um, I, so, I, I didn't even know how to respond to that. Right. I mean, you can't you can't respond to that. I mean, there are a lot of pastors, you know, that are doing really good stuff right now, and, and they're saying things that are very comforting for them and for their congregations, and it's the right things, and, and that's acceptable, right? I'm, I'm not talking about any of that, but I'm talking about... Um, the, you know, the people that, you know, would take this as a sign that like, you know, Christianity is under attack and I've seen some of that. That's not what's happening here. Right. Um, so I don't, I don't know. I mean, I just feel like this is, I don't know, just the way pastors are responding. Um, some pastors are responding to this is it's not surprising, but it's, it's disheartening. And I mean, how, how, I mean, we, we should talk about this later, but how, you know, how do you respond to this? And, you know, I, I put the question out on Facebook, like, right. Are, are you comfortable with people bringing guns into your congregation? And it was split, <laughs> you know, and, and I get that, but I don't get that. Like, so church, church should not be the garden club or, or the local, like, breakfast place right so the pastor of the church um there whose daughter was one of the ones that was killed right what he said was i don't understand but i know my god does that's a completely acceptable thing to say right um from his perspective that's completely fine um and i mean it's just kind of amazing that he's you know he's trying to do all that he can to say like you know yeah, this was bad for our family, but, you know, a lot of other people are dealing with the same thing, right? I mean, he's, that to me is what a pastor does, right? I mean, he's in, it's, you know, the worst day of his life, and he's trying to figure out how he can care for his congregation, right? I mean, th- I, th- I think that's an appropriate response. Um, You know, I, I think it's an appropriate response to say, yeah, I don't know, 
what's going on um why, but, why didn't he drive back like but the idea that this is um like that this is just evil in the world and we just can't do anything about it, which is where a lot of our politicians are. And it's where a lot of pastors have been after this. Uh, it's just kind of amazing. Like we don't accept that answer for any other problem in this country. Yeah. Right. But we're, it's supposedly okay because I guess America has more evil than any other country on earth. Cause we're the only place where this happens. No, I mean, we're the only place that, that has just basically unlimited free range access to any kind of gun you want, whether it's a handgun or, you know, a semi-automatic gun. And the reality is that um, this is what gets people talking is mass shootings like this. Um, But that's not actually what's, that's not the worst part of our gun problem. I mean, the worst part of our gun problem is domestic violence and it's suicides. Yeah. Right. I mean, that's where we're, we're losing thousands and thousands of people a year. Um, But we don't talk about that because it's one here, it's three there. It's, you know, it's, you know, bad guys, um, I mean, Tallahassee is dealing with this. In the city yeah. that I live in, we've had, what, 18 uh, homicides this year, which matches the record. We still have two months left to go. And a lot of people are rightfully upset about about crime in Tallahassee. We have the highest uh, v- you know, crime rate per capita in the state. And, yes, I know how the, how the data breaks down. They count certain things that maybe they shouldn't count. And overall, crime is down, but murders are up. And so we're doing good. But, you know, I've talk to some local politicians and, and I'm not going to name any names, but um, who have basically said, well, you know, it's, it's bad people killing other bad people. And um, that's not what I want my local politicians saying. I don't care who the person is, right? We should still care about that. You know, it, I don't care if you're selling drugs that, you know, if you get in a dispute with somebody, you can do a lot less damage with a baseball bat than you can do with a handgun. Um, and just, you know, if you happen to be selling drugs, that doesn't mean that you deserve to die. Right. So I, I don't know. I mean, it's it's um, I, I think there there's a lot of um, racism. You know, some of it is is kind of implicit racism um, that's involved in this. This is why you hear a lot. You hear Trump and a lot of Republicans talk about you know gun violence in Chicago, which is just code word for look at those black people killing other black people. Um, and that's the way they talk about in Tallahassee. Well, it's, you know, it's on the south side of town, which is code for, you know, that's where a lot of, you know, lower income black people live. Um, That's where the historically black college is. Uh, Okay, but that doesn't mean we should care about it any less. So I I don't know. I just, I'm, I'm losing my patience for this. 